Well, it was my first time in the Louvre, that famous art museum in the heart of Paris. I was 22 years old. I was in the city of love with my young bride. And we were going to see the Mona Lisa. It couldn't get much better, could it? And in my mind, I imagined it would be just like in the movies, when people are invited to the opening of an art exhibition, everyone's dressed in chic clothes and there's a jazz quartet playing in the background. There's, you know, a bench placed strategically in front of the picture so you can sit and contemplate the artistry of Renaissance Expressionism and imagine this intimate moment with one of the great artworks of the world. Well, if you've been to the Louvre, you know that that is not what it's like. We followed the crowds and then we followed the school kids and then we followed the tour groups with the, the flags on sticks. Finally get to the room where the Mona Lisa is displayed and there are like 200 people in front of us clamoring for a look. There were camera flashes going off above this sea of bodies. And then the picture itself, it, it, it's not big. It, it might be two foot by two foot. Uh, it's behind thick glass and the painting itself is actually quite dark. So it, it's really hard to see when you're trying to look at it through a crowd. Uh, it was all a bit disappointing. Have you ever had one of those moments when the reality didn't meet your expectations? Well, our Bible passage today is all about people's expectations around Jesus, who he was, what he came to do, and what kind of difference he would make in the world, and what kind of difference he makes today. We need to get our expectations right so that we can understand our reality. And we're going to find out exactly what the Bible says about that in just a minute. So stick around to find out the answer. Well, good morning and welcome to Yontville Community Church. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here, uh, and it is so good to have you with us today. I really pray that our time together helps you to connect with God, uh, to worship, to draw near, to know His presence as we hear Him speak through His Word today. And we also pray this service leads you to Jesus uh, and into His presence as we think about the significance of next Sunday and Easter and, and the cross and the resurrection. Because the cross is at the heart of the Christian message, it's God's love shown to us as Jesus lays down his life to bring forgiveness and to make us right with God and to give us a fresh start. Um, that's the hope of Jesus that we want to share in the Napa Valley and beyond. And that's the hope that will be at the center of our church family as we look towards reopening our historic chapel in Yontville in just a couple of months. We do hope you'll join us in person uh, or online as we continue to share and grow in Jesus. One of the best ways to share Jesus is to share messages just like this with your friends and family. Uh, it's really easy to send them to our church website, uh, yontvillechurch.org, it's right here. Uh, and there they can uh, look at uh, our latest message. Uh, they can connect with me, uh, connect with my wife and connect with our church family. Uh, we'll also be sharing links to our Easter sermons on Facebook and Instagram uh, because next Sunday is Easter and, and it's one of the easiest times of the year to invite people to church. Uh, I'll be preaching on the rest that we can find in Jesus, a rest for the weary and the burdened. So uh, please share that invitation with friends and family members. And of course, uh, remember to like and subscribe on YouTube and that helps us share the hope of Jesus uh, in the Napa Valley and even wider uh, through this online uh, media. 
Uh, but for now, why don't we pray as we hear God's word um, uh, from Matthew chapter 11. Our Heavenly Father, as we read the Bible today, help us to have the right expectations of Jesus. Help us to trust him of whatever our reality might be. Help us to hear the great promises that Jesus speaks into our lives and help us to know that blessing. And we pray that in his saving name. Amen. So we're picking up the story at Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 this morning. Uh, and it's kind of a transitional moment in Matthew's gospel. Back in chapters 8 and 9, we saw Jesus perform miracle after miracle and huge crowds were following him. And then Jesus sends out his disciples in chapter 10 to multiply Jesus' message. But now as we enter chapter 11, Jesus seems less interested in drawing a crowd. And he's more interested in individual responses to him. Jesus doesn't just want admirers, he wants disciples, he wants dedicated followers, he wants us to make a decision. And so that brings us to the first character in the passage, John the Baptist. Verse 1, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John the Baptist, you might remember from the start of Matthew's Gospel, was the cousin of Jesus. He was a prophet, and a bit of a strange one. He lived in the desert, he dressed in camel's hair, and he ate locusts. But despite John's appearance, his prophetic message about the kingdom drew people from all over Jerusalem and Judea to be baptised in the Jordan. He even baptised Jesus can read all of that in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, John was also known for his fiery preaching, uh, criticizing the religious elite and pronouncing their coming judgment. Uh, this is what John said about them. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and 10. This same fiery preaching had landed John in prison. Uh, he had denounced the governor Herod for seducing and marrying his sister-in-law. And it's from prison that John sends his disciples to ask Jesus that question in verse 3. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John's prophetic ministry was all about announcing the coming kingdom of heaven and with it the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah is the Hebrew word for the anointed one. And Old Testament prophecy had foretold that this anointed Messiah would come and restore God's people. And there were expectations about what that restoration would look like. Some expected that the Messiah would overthrow the Roman rulers and reestablish the earthly kingdom of Israel and return the Lord's favor to his people. As the prophet Isaiah said, The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. Perhaps that's what John expected, a freedom for the captives and, and the day of God's vengeance. And yet there was John locked away in prison. 
Perhaps John expected the Messiah to come with the same kind of fiery judgment that he himself preached. You know, the axe at the root of the tree and, and the winnowing fork ready to throw the chaff into the fire. But instead, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus wasn't the Messiah that John was expecting. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John wondered. Well, like John today, even today, uh, there are some churches that major on the judgment of God. Uh, They major on fire and brimstone and the reality of hell. and, And that's what they expect from Jesus. And I don't want to shy away from speaking about God's judgment because a justice and judgment go hand in hand. A God can't be just if he doesn't condemn evil and punish wickedness. And the Bible speaks about the day of judgment, which will come. In fact, by the end of our passage today, Jesus will pronounce judgment on the people who'd seen his miracles and hadn't believed. But is judgment the main message of the Bible? Are we to be terrified into following Jesus? Is that what we should expect from Jesus? Well, Jesus answers John's question by pointing to the evidence. The evidence tells us what kind of Messiah we ought to expect. Matthew 11 verse 4. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind will receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The evidence points to a Messiah who brings hope and healing. The Messiah comes with good news, not just judgment. The Messiah comes to usher in a kingdom where physical illnesses are no more and and where darkness and evil are, are done away with, where even death comes untrue. It's a kingdom where God's favor is on his people. And that's what Jesus wants us to see when we look at him, the Messiah who restores us to the Lord. And that's the good message, uh, the good news of the Christian message and the good news of Easter. Because at the cross, God's justice and his mercy meet. God's justice is satisfied as he pours out his judgment for human sin. But God's mercy is shown as the sinless Savior sacrifices himself in our place. Jesus dies to bring us life. Yes, the gospel includes judgment, but we must never forget the grace and mercy and love that provides a way for us to avoid the judgment that we deserve for our own sin. I think if we're to sum up what John was expecting, it seems like his expectation for the Messiah was only part of the picture of what Jesus came for. A bit like uh, the parable of the blind men trying to describe an elephant when they only touched one part of it. Well, John, it seems, only had a partial understanding of God's plans. And I think that's true for the crowds also. So what expectations did the crowds have of Jesus? Well, remember, we've just come out of those chapters where Jesus went from town to town and healing every sickness and casting out demons and people came from everywhere to have their lives changed. And perhaps that's what the crowds thought the Messiah should do, bring healing and relief from physical discomfort. And that's another way to read the Isaiah 61 passage uh, that we had just uh, a few moments ago on screen. The Messiah brings freedom from captivity to our illnesses. And it's true that Jesus sometimes does bring physical healing. It was certainly a big uh, feature of his ministry back then and for the first apostles. But is that what we expect the Messiah to do in every life? Is it through a miracle ministry that we expect to draw people to Jesus? Um, Do people come to faith principally through seeing signs and wonders? 
The answer is no, it seems. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Despite all the miracles and and all the healings, it seems that the vast number of people didn't respond to Jesus with faith. They, They didn't recognize him as the Messiah who would usher in God's kingdom. They didn't turn their lives back to God. Instead, they turned away and went on with their lives. The miracles didn't produce faith, or mostly not, it would seem. And you know, I think a lot of people fall into the same category as the crowd when it comes to their expectations of Jesus. They're interested in Jesus when they need him, and they want somebody who will heal their wounds and remove their infirmities and restore their joy in the present. But I don't know if they want Jesus. I think they want a genie in a bottle. Rub the magic lamp and get whatever you want. They make Jesus into a bespoke saviour. A saviour who does our bidding only when we need him. But other than that, I live my life however I want. And the problem is when the magic lamp stops working. What happens if Jesus doesn't do your bidding? What if your life isn't what you expected it to be? What happens if the miracles don't come? Sadly, Joe and I watched one of our friends walk away from Jesus because her sister got sick. And our friend thought that Jesus should heal every sickness. That was 25 years ago. Uh, Her sister is well now, but she still hasn't changed her mind about Jesus. If physical healing is our only expectation of Jesus, again, we're a bit like the blind men trying to describe the elephant when they've only touched one part. It's a partly true way to think about Jesus, but there's still a bigger picture we need to see. And that's what Jesus reveals in the next passage. So what did Jesus say we should expect of him? If he's not just a judge and he's not just a miracle worker, then how are we to understand him? Well, Jesus reveals the answer when he talks to the crowd. Matthew 11, verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. You see, the crowds had flocked to John just as they'd flocked to Jesus. But Jesus asks the crowd what they went out to see. Did they go out just for the spectacle? Did they just go for the experience or the brush with celebrity? Well, whatever reason they went for, what they ended up seeing was a prophet. And not just any prophet, Jesus says, but the prophet who would prepare the way for the Lord, the the prophet whose ministry would signal the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. It was this pivotal moment of prophetic fulfillment where all of the hopes of the Old Testament were finally coming to fruition. And John the Baptist was the beginning of that revelation. A God's plan was being revealed before their very eyes for those who had eyes to see and ears to hear. Jesus explains to the crowd that yes, he is the one who was to come. They shouldn't expect anyone else. All the signs were there to be seen, even the return of Elijah. Uh, That great Old Testament prophet who Malachi had said would precede the return of the Lord. Well, Jesus says that had been fulfilled in John the Baptist. Matthew 11 verse 14. If you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Elijah had come 
And that made Jesus none other than the Lord himself, the Messiah, ready to bring in God's kingdom. Jesus says there's no other sign you need. There's no other prophecy. There's no other miracle. We need to confirm who he is. Jesus is bringing the kingdom. And again, this is where the reality and expectation can be confusing. Because so many people had expectations about what the kingdom of heaven should be like. And then the reality didn't match their expectation. And 2,000 years later, some people are still confused because their expectation of what God should do in the world doesn't match their reality. Why is it that we still live in a world with illness and evil and death when the Messiah has already come? Shouldn't he have removed all of that when he brought the kingdom near? Well, that last little word near is the key to our expectations of Jesus in this age. Jesus' first sermon was this, Matthew 4, 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. With Jesus, we see the beginning of the kingdom breaking in, but we don't see the ultimate fulfillment. And we see the beginning of the restoration of God's people with those healing miracles, but we don't see illness ended. And death continues to reign. And it's the same with evil. While Jesus deals with some instances of demonic possession, the evil one still rules the hearts of every son of Adam and every daughter of Eve. See, our vision is still partial. The kingdom is near, but it's not completely at hand. It's now and not yet. And if the Bible ended with the chapter that we're reading, we wouldn't know how the story will end. Like John and the crowds, we might speculate about how God would achieve the ultimate victory. How would God vindicate his people? How would he bring judgment? And how would his people be redeemed? And they had no idea. But we do. We've seen the cross. And we've seen the resurrection. As William Barclay said, the man who has seen the cross has seen the heart of God in a way that no man who lived before the cross could ever see it. And that's why we live in an age so much greater than the age of the prophets, so much greater than the age of miracles, because we live in the age of the kingdom of heaven, the age where God's plan has been revealed as fully as it will be before the second coming of Jesus. Jesus said, Matthew 11, verse 11, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Brothers and sisters, we are privileged to see God's plan of salvation, to have it revealed for us in all its splendor. And it means we can live with right expectations for this lifetime and the next. We can live in this in-between world, holding on to hope for ourselves and holding out hope to those who are looking for a miracle. Because we know that no matter what, the kingdom is coming. And all of those hints that we had about the kingdom, we know that one day they'll be seen in their fullness. The partial will become whole and life will become eternal life. Isn't that something to look forward to? Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus to come. And we thank you that Jesus coming ushers in the kingdom. We thank you that it's a kingdom that can never, um, never be thwarted. I thank you that uh, in this kingdom, all of those illnesses and all of that disease and the death of this world, thank you that evil itself will be uh, done away with in the new kingdom. Help us to see that. Uh, and then we know that we only have partial vision sometimes. Uh, and we long to see that fully and fully revealed. But help us, Father, to have faith to live now in this age 
while we wait for the age that is still to come. And Father, hasten your coming, hasten the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But while we wait here, help us to hold out hope uh, to our friends, to our neighbours, to our family members, so that they too might know Jesus in this time where salvation is available. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.